things in English. Good morning. Let's worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's give him praise for he's worthy of all of our praise. Let's give him glory because he deserves all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Let's lift him up high for he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords.
before the sun comes up.
God, Father, right now in this place, we welcome your spirit. We welcome your spirit in this place. Father, welcome your presence in this place. Have your way in this place. Father, we surrender everything we have to you. We surrender our hearts. We surrender our lives. We surrender our dreams. We surrender our desires. Father, because we want your desires for our life. We don't want our own agenda, Father. We want what you want for our life. We want the plan that you have for us to be set into motion. And God, we don't want to get in the way of it, Father. Because you are holy. You're omnipotent, Father. All-knowing King of kings and Lord of lords. Tell him he's holy. Tell him he's holy. You're holy, Lord. You're holy, Lord. There's no one like you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are holy.
on the altar if we want the fire of God to consume us then you have to get on the altar as Tiger said before oh, fire needs a fuel to burn what are you giving as a fuel what are you what are you putting on the altar as a fuel for the fire fire doesn't burn by itself it has to have a fuel ourselves on the altar burn us up all the junk all the trash all that would be left is what you want in us Lord all that would be left is what you want us to be purify us in the fire of kings and the Lord of lords? Do you trust him to put yourself on the altar and let him burn off what needs to be burned off? Do you trust him 
to let yourself be the sacrifice. He's a holy God. He knows all. He knows the plans that he has for you. Let him have his way. Let him have his way. Yeah. 
every moment I'm away. But have your way in me, Lord. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath I take.
joy of the Lord is your strength. In the midst of the trial, in the midst of the troubles, in the midst of the problems, the joy of the Lord is your strength. enemy steal your joy he wants his strength to dwindle out of you if he can take the joy from you let the joy of the king rise among 
of the King. Right before we pray, man, there was just so, Pastor Justin had talked about the sacrifice on the altar. And then we went into that song. And man, I just feel like we should sing that chorus right before we pray. Because you know what? We can't come in here and sing songs like that flippantly. When we tell Jesus, I give you everything, we sing it from our heart. That Lord, I give you my heart. Man, I give you my soul, Jesus, everything that I am. Right before we pray, we go in knowing that, you know what, Jesus, I'm committed. I'm fully committed. And when Jesus, the, the, the word of the Lord says that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the world, looking who is committed, and he encourages them, looking whom he can encourage. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Are you ready? Were you ready? Let's sing this as a declaration, God. Lord, I give you my heart. Everything, give you God. My soul. We give you everything, Jesus. We're a church that's committed, God. I live for yes. you alone. Every breath that I take, yes. every moment oh, I'm awake. Yes, God. Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Yeah. 
this morning as we go into prayer. We're going to pray that God would give us creative ideas to reach the lost. We're going to pray that God would fill us with his Holy Spirit and empower us to reach the lost. And lastly, I want to pray. There's many families in the church that are sick. There's, a, there's some type of virus going around. So we're going to pray that God would empower families and heal people right now. Maybe you have friends and loved ones that are fighting this little cold that's going around. So we're going to pray that this morning. Are you ready, church? Are you ready to pray this morning? Amen. Let's go to creative ideas. God, we just ask you this morning, Lord, that you would give us creative ideas to reach the lost, God. Lord, we pray that in the name of Jesus, Father, you would you would birth in us creative ideas to reach the lost. God, you would, you would use us, Lord. Use us as a beacon, as a light in the community. God, use us, Father, that we can go out and, and we can be a lighthouse to the broken. That we can be a lighthouse to those that are far from you. God, Lord, you have commissioned us. You have sent us, God. You have chosen us, Lord. And we pray you would give us the tools, God. You, we pray you would give us the ideas, Lord. We pray you would give us, Lord, maybe the burden to start certain pantry ministries, God. You would give us the resources. You would give us the tools, God. Lord, that we can creatively reach the lost, God. We pray a blessing, Lord, over Pastor Tiger as you would give him new ideas to lead us in that direction, God. Lord, but we would be the hands and feet. We would be the tools, oh God. Lord, baptize us in the Holy Spirit and fire this morning. Lord, yes, I just Lord. pray that in the name of Jesus, you would fill us with the Holy Ghost, yes, Lord. God, with the physical evidence of speaking in tongues, oh God. I pray that in the name of Jesus, Father, you would fill us with power. God, you would fill us with an anointing, God, so that we can proclaim the gospel with power, God. That we don't come with eloquent words, but we come with a display of power in the name of Jesus. Lord, fill us with fire. Fill us with fire, that fire would well down in our belly, God. That fill us with the Holy Ghost, Lord, in power. Jesus, that we can display your power to the world, oh God. Lord, lastly, we pray for families that are families that are sick right now. They're going through all types of sicknesses. Lord, we just come against that right now. We come against that sickness and that disease. And we come against that virus, Lord, on the, on the Edelman's home, on the Morgan's home, God. We come against that right now. Any family member in our church, Lord, that is battling sickness, we cover them. As, as the body of Christ, we stand together and we cover one another. Lord, we ask that you would send healing to these homes. Send healing to these families, God. Lord, you would just lift them up against this against this little virus that has come it's no match for the great physician come on somebody it's no match for the healer it's no match for you jesus and we ask right now that you would make them strong you would make them well you would make them whole in jesus's mighty name if you agree with that why don't you say amen say amen give the lord a hand clap of praise Hey, why don't you greet somebody, tell them hello, shake a hand, hug a neck, give a high five, something like that, tell them hi.
Well, good morning, Life Church. How are you this morning? Oh, come on, you guys got to participate better than that. Good morning, Life Church. It's so great to see you. It's great to be here with all of you this morning. I'm so glad you decided to join us. For those of you, if it's your first time, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I want to welcome you. And if it is your first time, we want to connect with you. Um, you can text the word welcome to the number. They're going to put that number on the screen. Um, that number, they're putting it on the screen right now. You can text the word welcome to 337 uh, the, the, that welcome. Text the word welcome, Pastor Justin, <laughs> to that number. 337. Um, it's in there. I put it in there this morning. There you go. Nope, that's prayer. Pray. But it's the same number, though. You can text the word welcome to the number 337-317-4123, and we're going to connect with you. There it is. There it is. And we're going to connect with you. We're going to send you a link that you can fill out, your name, your information. And after you do that, you can visit the table in the foyer and get you a free gift. Hey, everybody loves free things. We want to help you connect. We want to help you find your place in the kingdom of God, help you find where you belong in God's family. So we want to connect with you. We won't send you annoying texts, I promise. That's my personal promise. And you can also text the word connect to that same number for our regular attendees. We want to uh, build our... Um, database. We want to build our database so that we can keep you up to date on what's going on around Life Church. Uh, whether there be any types of changes or anything that would need to happen, we'll be able to connect with you uh, and directly contact you. And also, we are a church that believes in prayer, so you can text the word pray, pray to that same number, 337-317-4123, and uh, we get the updates, and you can fill out that same link, that connect card, and put your prayer request in, and we'll be standing with you in prayer. This goes to our pastor's cell phones. They have access to that, and anytime, you know, I've gotten those during the day. I've gotten prayer requests, and I've gotten those things, and we stop. I stop what I'm doing, and I cover that in prayer. So I want you to know that we don't just do this as preliminaries, but when, when you text that, and we get those, they come to my cell phone because I have the app, and I do stop what I'm doing, and we have a team of individuals that are praying for you guys as well. Hey, because listen, here at Life Church, we believe in prayer. Prayer is part of our DNA. We've been intentional this last year to really start prayer groups and to incorporate it into service. And, and, and Wednesday night is our prayer service. Just put a plug there, our prayer service, our participation service. And we're seeing God do wonderful, wonderful things through prayer. So just wanted to let you guys know that. Also, I do have a couple of announcements to keep you guys updated, keep you uh, in the know, in the K-N-O-W <laughs> of what's going on. December 18th is going to be our Christmas play. And so, man, that's an awesome event uh, that we put on once a year. Uh, the kids are going to be participating and doing their thing. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss that. So that's going to be on the 18th. And immediately following that service, we'll be serving gumbo. Come on, somebody. We'll eat, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. Um, you, can, you can go into the foyer. We have a sign-up sheet. We're just asking that you bring a dessert. That's all. Man, bring a dessert, um, and that'll be a great 
uh, addition to the gumbo. So bring a dessert. You can sign up in the foyer. We also need a count on how many people you're bringing. So with your family members and that type of stuff, just so we can prepare on how much gumbo. Hey, because listen, South Louisiana, we don't want to run out of gumbo. No, that's not something you do. And on that note, we are building a team of individuals to serve that day. So serve some of the gumbo, help clean up after the fact. So that, that list is in the foyer as well. Um, so you can sign up for all of that. It kind of feel, you know, kind of feels like sometimes we're like a register office of voters. Sign up, sign up, sign up. And so, but it's good because you know what? God's doing a powerful work in our church. And we're building people up to serve the kingdom of God and help them step into their destiny. Amen? Oh, come on. That was a great place to say amen. In the announcements. You know it's going to be good today if we're amen and in the announcements. On December 10th, on December 10th, it's going to be our women's Christmas party. So that's going to be uh, something great. You want to be there. Mark that date down. We've got the sign-up sheet in the Welcome Center in the lobby. December 10th, it's going to be at Dino's. It's a great time to get together, spend some time, connect with somebody. And um, it's just awesome, all right? It's just awesome. That's all I'm going to say about that. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 through 8. Each of you should give what you've decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Well, here at Life Church, we've got four opportunities to partner with the Lord in giving. We've got boxes on the back wall. We've got a text to give feature. And we've also got a giving feature on our website and a Life Church app. So we want you guys to be afforded every opportunity to partner with the Lord in giving. Hey, how many of you ready for the word this morning? Oh, come on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, we're never going to run out of gumbo. <laughs> we get down to the last spoon or so. We say, Pastor Josh, pray. <laughs> Multiply <laughs> the rice and the gumbo. And uh, amen. Uh, I, I do want to make one other, uh, two other real quick announcements. I had a couple people come to me, and um, due to a, some change that, uh, that we did at the last minute, um, we had a membership class two weeks ago. And for those who are maybe interested in learning information about becoming a, uh, a member of Life Church, and uh, we were going to do that over a two-week period. We did it in one week, basically, uh, one Sunday morning. And so a few people have come up that were not able to make that meeting that are interested. And so next Sunday, I know next Sunday, uh, Pastor Josh, is next Sunday Coffee Sunday, huh? It is. It is. We didn't even announce that. Yeah, no, but I mean, so, you, you know, next Sunday's Coffee Sunday, you know, Fellowship Sunday. But if you are interested, you missed it, and you want information, I'm going to meet with you in the office area. We may have a few distractions going on, but we're going to meet anyway. And uh, I'll go over that with you. And so next week is your opportunity to do that, okay? The other thing is um, a number of people have asked, well, I say a number of people. I've had people ask me, uh, what is our schedule for Christmas? And, uh, because Christmas falls on a Sunday this year. And my wife and I have talked about it, and we are going to open the church, and we're going to have a Christmas morning service, my wife and I. Now, now I have to tell you, it's, it, it, most, of the, most of the ministry teams and everything, they're all going to be gone. I mean, they have family and friends, but um, in my family, um, we alternate 
Christmas Eve day and Christmas day uh, with our families because of extended family and everything. You know what I'm talking about, right? And so it happens this year that this is the year that my wife and I would be home on Christmas by ourselves anyway. And so I just told her, I said, you know, I said, I said, we can do this. You know, I said, I mean, if it's nothing more than me with my guitar and we're singing some songs, Christmas songs of worship in the Lord, we'll have communion service, we're going to read from the scripture and everything. So, and I recognize also that there are some folks, they don't have family. And so they're alone on Christmas. And so I said, we're going to open the doors. So I'm letting you know now, don't come in here expecting a full-fledged whatever going on, right? And, uh, but um, I thought about doing it on Christmas Eve, but I thought, you know, we're home already. So I said, why not just, and I live right next door. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I mean I've done this for years and years and years since I was a teenager, you know, uh, ministry and preaching and singing and whatever. So we will, and, and we thought about changing the time. But then that brings confusion because then people don't remember what time. I did that once before and learned the hard way. Tried to do it early and everybody showed up at the regular time and, you know, that wasn't good. You know, so I'm not changing the time. And so it will be at 1030. And so uh, anyway, there it is. So if you want to come on Christmas morning, we will be here at 1030 and bring somebody with you. If you don't want to, if you got family and friends, I understand. I'm just, just telling you. Um, that's just the way it is. <laughs> and, and like Forrest Gump, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> so, period. So, um, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. You know, so anyway. Um, let, me just, let me just give you a testimony real quick, too. Um, Pastor Josh alluded to the fact that, you know, we really believe in prayer in this last year We've really pushed hard to change the DNA of our church towards prayer. And, and if you're not aware of that, we started like on Wednesday night. We, 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 we incorporated that into Wednesday night. And then we incorporated that uh, into service on Sunday morning that we have a time of corporate prayer. And then it, that led to a Sunday morning prayer meeting before service. And then when it led to a group coming on Tuesday nights, I think it's every other week, uh, that they're coming to pray. And, and I mean, it, and, and it wasn't because we put, we planned it, put, it was people had a burden and desire to come and pray. And so this has been exciting because last week, my wife and I were in Foley, Alabama. We've been going there for years on Thanksgiving. And the pastors of the church, the pastor of a church there, he and his wife, they have two homes that they make available free of charge to full-time pastors for a getaway. But unfortunately, I'm not going to say unfortunately. Um, for me, it's not much of a getaway because I ended up preaching three times last Sunday. Uh, the pastors are 85 years old. Uh, and so they, they are like, we're tired. We need you. And, and how do you say no to friends? And so um, anyway, I had the opportunity to share with them what God's been doing in the prayer aspect in our church. And they both looked at us and they said, we're so desperate for that in our church. She says, we have prayer meeting on Monday night and one or two people might show up if you're lucky. 
And I said, I understand, been there, done that, you know. And um, so anyway, Thursday morning, I got a phone call early Thursday morning, and, and I saw his phone number, and I went, oh, my goodness, you know, immediately, you know, you get those early morning calls, you think something's wrong, somebody had a heart attack, somebody died, you know, something like that. And, and I hear, Brother Bob, how are you feeling? And I went, I'm fine. I'm on my first cup of coffee, but I'm like, why? What's wrong? Did you feel it last night? I said, did I feel what? You know, he said, and anyway, the long and short of it was that he went to his church on Wednesday night, and he kind of shared with them. He said, he said, man, they've got people who are praying, and God's doing stuff, and things are happening. And he says, he says and, and I look around, what's wrong with us? And so he said, they decided to start praying for me. I don't know why. I said, I was, I was fine. My wife was the one that was ill almost the whole time we were over there. And um, so uh, anyway, she, they, they opened, had an open mic, Pastor Josh, and they were one by one coming up praying for me. And, and one of the ladies in the church, a uh, sweet lady, she, and she said, Pastor, she said, can't we just all pray together? We'll be here till after midnight doing this one at a time, praying for Pastor Bob. And I don't even know why they're praying for me. And he said, well, yeah, we can do that all together. And so anyway, he said in the past when they would say, let's pray, you could hear two or three people pray and everybody else got their head down, you know, like that. And I said, well, that's kind of the way it was for us for a while, you know, in the beginning of Wednesday nights, you know. And I and, uh, said, so, but now on Wednesday nights, people are praying, man, you know. I mean, they're into praying. And uh, I said, in the prayer room, man, sometimes services started, and they're still in there praying. I said, like this morning, you know. And so anyway, he said, Pastor Bob, he said, all of a sudden, they started praying. He said, I couldn't hear myself think. He said, I'm convinced the Presbyterian church two blocks away heard the prayers going up out of our church. He said, something was unleashed in our congregation that night. He said, they walked out of there like they were ready to charge hell with a water pistol, you know? I mean, they were like, whoa, this is what's, you know? And he said, I can't thank you enough. And I said, I didn't even preach on prayer, you know. All I did was share the testimony of what God's been doing here. And so I wanted to share that with you because it's just encouraging that this, this, is, this is a move of God. And, um, and uh, I shared with our staff the other night that this week, beginning this week, we've put out the word for pastors and prayer leaders in our city that once a month, the leadership of churches, we are coming together for prayer. And it's not prayer for like Aunt Sally's hang, hang nail, you know, or so-and-so's got a cold or whatever. It's grabbing the horns of the altar to say, God, we need a move of God in our cities and communities and our homes and our churches. I said, there's no sense in trying to call a citywide prayer meeting when you cannot right now get the pastors to come together for prayer. I know we've tried. So we've put out the word and just said, those who can come or want to come, you're invited to come. 
And I'm believing that this is going to be a seed that's going to be sown. And then once a month, the leadership's going to pray. And if my vision is that by the end of this coming year, if, if the Lord doesn't return, okay, um, that if the pastors have been meeting regularly to pray and prayer leaders are meeting regularly to pray, then the goal is that by next year, when churches in January are usually fasting and praying for the Lord, that there will be enough of an emphasis and, and unity that instead of individual churches doing their individual thing, that we could see a corporate night after night after night after night after night time of fasting and praying. But it takes the leaders to get out there and do it first. Because if the leaders aren't going to do it, then the people aren't going to do it. Okay? So I'm encouraged by all of that. And I just wanted to share that with you. Now, I've taken a bunch of my time, so I'm going to have to get through this quick. Okay? And, uh, but I'm, I, am gonna, I didn't intend to, but I sat down the last two days, and I've kind of written out like a, a mini three-part series, and I've simply titled it Finding Christmas. Okay? Uh, just a personal note here, and I'm going to put something on the screen, and please don't take it the wrong way. I'm not patting myself on the back. But how many of you, if you're on Facebook or, or social media, but especially Facebook, they have a thing, uh, memories, comes up. You know, like three years ago today, five years ago, 12 years ago, all that kind of stuff. And it was funny because I said, I don't know what I preached on December 3rd, 2017, but there was a whole group of people, a bunch of them sitting over on this side, that commented, said, what a service today, what a message, wow, Pastor Bob, and then I was like, I don't know what I preached, but I need to go find out what it was, maybe I can rework that thing, you know, <laughs> and use it again, you know, but anyway, and yesterday, it came up that three years ago, and I'm going to put a picture up on the screen, there's some clothes there, and, the, and there is the note next to it, and it's from my daughter. She posted this, and so she posted it publicly on Facebook, so I figure it's not private, so I can put, I can put this up there. But it, it came up, and it had a picture of these clothes, and Justin, you'll remember this, and it says, uh, it, it simply says, I've never posted a picture of laundry before, but I want to give honor to where honors do. They're, they, these are just clothes. They're things that can be replaced. But almost everything pictured is new because Austin grew finally. <laughs> and so it says since last winter. These things were in a bag and were accidentally thrown away in a dumpster and buried. And, and it happened to be in Foley, Alabama at, at the church over there. They had come over for a few days. And it says, my dad, the man who is the unsung hero, the man who will do anything for his family, the man that's always there for us, he dug through and searched the dumpster for this bag. Today I'm looking at my laundry a little different. I love you, Didi. And um, the post reminded me of that event. And it's funny how something can trigger events and smells. <laughs> um, because I literally had to climb in this huge dumpster and somebody, the, the church over there feeds like 350 to 400 people on Wednesday night of Thanksgiving week. And they have a full commercial kitchen and everything. So um, you can imagine all the stuff that was thrown away in the dumpster from the prepping the food and everything else. 
and all the garbage and, you know, feeding that many people, everything. Anyway, um, they had just done that like three days before. And then somebody had come along and dumped pieces of two-by-fours and lumber and chain-link fence and all kinds of stuff and, and, and piled it to where the top of the dumpster wouldn't even close. And so when she, they called frantic trying to find these clothes, they said, we think it was, it was they, the clothes were in a garbage bag and we think that it accidentally got thrown in there with the garbage. Could you go look? <laughs> And so I thought it'd be easy enough to just lift the lid, but I could see from the house it, the lid was just bulging off the top because there was so much stuff in there. And um, I got in there, and I started moving stuff, and I was sinking in the garbage. And you can imagine. Come on now. And, 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 uh, and I remember looking in a certain part. I hadn't found it yet. And I thought, there's no need to look under that stuff because this chain-link fence and lumber and everything... I thought, there's no need to look under there because, like, how would that bag have gotten underneath that stuff? But then I thought to myself, but I'm looking in a dumpster for clothes that shouldn't be in here either. And so when I moved all that stuff, there was that bag of clothes. And so it got me thinking about this thing, uh, finding Christmas. And how many of you know what it is to be looking for something and you can't find it? I love this saying, people say this to me. It was in the last place that I looked. Have you ever thought about that? I'm like, well, why wouldn't it be in the last place you looked? I mean, like you found it and you kept looking? I mean, that doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, and, um, but uh, lost keys, you know? How many, how many this week look for keys? Oh, look, 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 at hands all over the place. Misplaced cell phone. Right? Yeah, there's hands. Uh, or maybe you're looking for long-lost long uh, classmates from the past. Or how about the house for the Christmas, the directions to the house for the Christmas party that you were supposed to be at 20 minutes ago. And you, you can't find the directions. You can't find the, the street name or address. Or how about that, spe that special gift for that special person or a misplaced school or work assignment uh, mislaid tax receipts, and my favorite one is a misplaced child. Don't laugh. It's been done. I'm the oldest of seven. I remember my mama, my mama losing a couple of our kids a couple times, you know. Um, and, and my hunch, especially when it came to a missing kid, my hunch was that they wanted to be found as much as you wanted to find them, you know. And so this idea of Christmas, uh, finding Christmas, and, and so I'm, I, I just think this way, so pardon me if it, this doesn't work for you, but my first thought was that thinking about that, that day, that moment when Christ came into the world, when the word became flesh, the Bible says, God wants to be found. He wanted to be found. In the book of Luke, chapter 2, beginning with verse 8, it says this, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, 
and they were greatly afraid. I think about that because a lot of times we sing songs about the glory, like we're just going to dance and shout all around it. But every person that I've ever read that the glory of God came on, they fell down like dead people. <laughs> you know, anyway, side note. <laughs> and then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And he says, um, and he goes on, and he says, and suddenly, he says, and this, oh, wait a minute, where'd it go? I lost it. <laughs> I missed it, didn't I? And we're going on, going on. So it's, he said, glory to God in the highest, uh, and, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. But he talks about the fact there was suddenly a multitude of angels, a heavenly host. A heavenly host is not a choir, um, despite what Christmas carols and things like that sound like. A heavenly host is an army. It, it is an army of angels. And so I want you to picture instead of like, oh, you know, angels singing, think of soldiers who are chanting, you know, dum, 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 you know, that kind of thing. And they are declaring the glory of God on earth. And so Christmas is all about the fact that God wanted to be found. Uh, remember, years ago, they came out with all these books like um, uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul and all that kind of stuff, you know. There was another book that came out that you'll probably remember this title, and it says, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Anybody remember that? It was by uh, an author named Robert Fulgham. And he, wrote, he writes in there about a group of kid, neighborhood children, who are playing hide-and-seek uh, right outside... Um, his yard area and there's a pile of leaves it's in the fall and there's a pile of leaves in his yard and the kid that's there's a kid hiding in the pile of leaves and it's right outside his window so he's kind of watching with curiosity about this okay and and you know how a hide and seek works everybody goes and hides and there's one person that's got to come and find everybody right and so he, they found everyone but they haven't found the kid that's in the pile of leaves yet and so they're about to give up looking for him because they've decided nobody can find him. They're all like together and they can't find the guy. And so he considered going outside and whispering to one of the kids, hey, he's in the pile of leaves, you know, that kind of thing. And he thought, no, that wouldn't be fair. But then he thought about lighting the pile of leaves on fire and watch the kids skedaddle out of there. And he thought, no, that's probably not a good thing either, you know. And so finally he raised the window and he said that he yells, Get found, kid! <laughs> and um, he said he made this observation. He said, better than hide and seek, I like the game called sardines. Now, I had never heard of that until I read the book. And he said, um, in sardines, the person who is it goes and hides. And everybody else has got to go find the one person that's hiding. It's the reverse of hide and seek. And so when you find the person that's hiding, you don't out them. You don't, you don't say, I found you. You get in there with them and hide. And so as each person finds them, they quickly get in and they're all packed in there like a can of sardines, right? And, and, and pretty soon everybody's hiding in there together, all stacked together like, you know, you know like that. 
And then you know how kids are. Eventually, one of them's going to look at somebody and start laughing and giggling, and the whole jig is up after that because they're, they're all, everybody gets found at that point, okay? And um, he pointed out that medieval theologians had this idea, and I won't bore you with the Latin on it and everything, but that God actually was like played, God, everything he did was kind of like in a hide-and-seek mode. But he, he, said, he said, I don't think that's true about God. He said, I think God is more like the game of sardines and that he wants to be found. And the way he's found by everybody else is that when everybody comes, the joy that is expressed when they find him and the sound of everybody rejoicing because they found him, they've been found he says, draws attention to the world. He said, because God wants to be found. And so that first Christmas was not God playing hide and seek. He came to play sardines. He wanted to be found. So see, some of you have learned something new. The game of sardines. You won't learn, remember anything else, but anyway. So anyway, so I thought about, okay, the first Christmas um, if it was written in the, in the version of a news story, like a media story, okay? When I was in high school in California, I took, instead of traditional English class, I was given the option to take uh, creative courses. My first year in high school, I took a course in making films. Uh, my second year, I took a creative writing class. And the first thing that they, because I just was not into adverbs and verbs and nouns and conjugation, con, conjunctions and all that kind of stuff, you know. I thought, I'll never need English. Here I am speaking. <laughs> but I took a creative writing course. And one of the first things they did in a creative writing course was they taught us basic journalism. Okay, because before you can be creative in writing a story, you had to know the basis of writing a story, like if you were in a journalism class, like you were reporting for a newspaper or whatever. And one of the things they taught us was that you've got to answer in the first paragraph, you need to include the who, what, what when, why, and how within the first paragraph. How many of you read stories or whatever and you just read the first paragraph and if it's interesting, you go on. If it's not, you flip to the next one. Come on. Why? Because, because good writers will tell you 80 to 90% of the story in the first paragraph. They've hooked you that you're to, in a way that you want to read the rest of the story, okay? And so... Um, in this story that we read earlier about the angels and the shepherds and everything, the first people to find God outside of his uh, actual family are the shepherds. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 16, it says, And they, speaking of the shepherds, came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So... If this was written up as a, a, as a news article or something like that, and the next day after this event, you were reading the Jerusalem Times, okay? Uh, it would read something. The headline might say something like this. Lowly shepherds find an exalted king. Okay? And so uh, 
just hang on with me. I'm just kind of writing this out and thinking, how, how, what do you think about this? And the story could have read something like this. Angels, knowledgeable about the whereabouts of a Savior, informed several uh, shepherds regarding the precise location last night. The shepherds were outside the town of Bethlehem minding their own business. Except for an occasional sound from the sheep, the night was quiet. When suddenly the quietness was shattered, an angel appeared announcing that God had come. According to one eyewitness, shepherds awakened by the event last night, the angel reported where God could be found. The angel provided his location in the city of David. The angel revealed God's purpose for coming. A savior was born for you. The angel told the name he would go by, Christ the Lord. The angel provided the sign that confirmed the identity, a baby wrapped in uh, snugly in clothing, swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. According to reports, the shepherds were familiar with that area in Bethlehem. And after the angel departed, one tear... One tired and wearied-eyed shepherd in his confusion looked at his other shepherd friends and said, what just happened? And according to an onlooker, another shepherd remarked, I don't know what that was, but it scared me so bad I think I wet my pants. <laughs> you, say, you say, it doesn't say that. You don't know. Right, you're sitting there, <laughs> you know, nothing going on. All of a sudden, Boom! The sky opens up. Glory to God in the highest. Right, right, yeah, you just calm, right? Okay, anyway. Still another flabbergasted by the series of events said, what do you think we should do? And one shepherd goes, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not going to stand here and argue or debate about what we should do or what just happened. I'm going to Bethlehem to see for myself who's coming with me, right? Okay. And the shepherds quickly left their flock in the open country, searched for the baby until they found him in a stable with that pungent smell of animal manure. Just like the angel said, the savior of the world was found. And there the shepherds stumbled upon a young girl named Mary with feet swollen, back aching, leaning up against the wall with a child wrapped in a blanket at her breast. And Joseph, her husband, sat exhausted, silent, and full of wonder at her side. In that moment of time, when Christ came into the world as a baby, God snuck in. To our realm. He didn't come with angels blowing trumpets. He didn't come with neon arrows going, Savior, born over here, come see. He didn't come with a three-week campaign announcing that he was coming. He, the shepherds went, and I don't know what they expected to see, but I'm thinking, I just saw a heavenly host. We just saw something that would... Is, like, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. So I'm thinking they're going to find this baby that's the savior of the world. And in my mind, I'm thinking there's probably going to be angels everywhere, you know, and harps and trumpets and, and who knows what else. And yet it wasn't like that at all. They found the child. And instead of this great fanfare, Without even a high priest or dignitary, there's a donkey or two, a cow, and some sheep. And the shepherds moved 
closer to the child to where Mary and Joseph were. And maybe it was due to the cool air of the night. Maybe it was like the game of sardines. They just wanted to get in close. But the hunt was over. God was found. But when you read a story, the one thing that I was taught in writing creative writing or writing a story is you can cover the facts, but you have to answer one question as to whether or not the story is worthy of writing, and that is why. What is the why behind the facts? Because if all you're writing is about facts, on this day, this happened, this happened, this happened. It's like reading a traffic accident report. Uh, two cars collided on Johnson Street at 11.55 p.m. last night. No one was hurt. Well, I'm not interested in reading that. Why did two cars collide? What was the story behind it? That's what will get me to read it. Am I right? Okay. The Why? Because that's what we want to know. Years ago, a tabloid, I won't mention the name of it, used to advertise, inquiring minds want to know. See, immediately, some of you know exactly which one I'm talking about. Why did the angel come to the shepherds of all the people that they could have come to to announce that God had come into the the sphere of earth. And I think the answer is found in verse 10 that we read earlier. And it says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. To all people is the key. The reason the shepherds were first to find the Christ child, then Christ meaning the anointed one, was because they represented the nameless people, the working people, the everyday people. He didn't come to the religious priests of the day. He didn't come to the kings. He didn't come. Listen, the story of the Magi did not happen. They did not come the night that Jesus was born. Read the story again. They came, and the scripture says, and they found Mary with the child in her house. Not in a manger. In the house. And it says that we know what happened. The Magi were warned not to go back to Herod. Herod they came to Herod wanting to know where is he? He was born king of the Jews. And he, he inquired and found out what the prophecy said. And they told him, he says, and come back and let, us, let me know so I can go and worship him too. Six months goes by from the time that they've told the Magi this. And Herod figures out that he's been double-crossed. And he sends the soldiers to kill all the baby boys two years of age and under. Why two years? Because that much time had gone by. It was the shepherds that found them. The magi, oh, gold, frankincense, myrrh. We, 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 
we like raise them up as shepherds, they stink. They're just like the outcast of the community. And I think God revealed himself to them because they embody us. Please hear what I'm just saying about this. The shepherds, these people without names or positions or privilege, they're like us. We can take their place in the story. We can put our name as one of them. We can put our face on one of them. We can enter that place on that, that field in Bethlehem. We, we, we can be excited about the news. We can run to the stable. We can look and hear the baby cooing. We can snuggle up close. We can come and... You know, there's just something about the smell of a newborn baby. Come on now. You know what I'm talking about. And they can kneel and watch God made in flesh who had entered into our world. I believe that. You don't have to. I do. So how does one find Christmas? Because you've, now you've told me about this incredible event and this person who, who was God in flesh as a child who came into the world and that's what Christmas is all about. So how does one find Christmas? Well, Luke chapter two, verse 15. See, Christmas is all about finding Jesus. It says, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And the same strategy or idea or formula, whatever you want to call it, applies to us today in 2022 as it did on that night. And so this way, first of all, nature offers a sign. I mean, one of the famous Christmas carols has the line in it, let heaven and nature sing, let heaven and nature sing. Why nature? Because, because God created nature to cry out the glory of God. Psalms 19 verses 1 through 4 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. There is no speech, there are no words, no sound is heard from them, and yet their voice goes into all the earth and their words to the ends of the inhabited world. Nature cries out the glory of God. The human soul is a sign. The human soul is a sign. Because we have a living soul. We, it, when you stop and think about it, two mortal beings join together in an act of marriage and create an immortal soul. We are implanted with the consciousness of God. Anselm, the famous Italian theologian, stated that the idea of God in the mind is proof that God exists. Pascal, the French physicist and philosopher, spoke about the God-shaped vacuum in every life that only God could fill. The human soul is a sign. The Bible is a sign. 
Now, I don't know if you've thought about this. I'm going to make a statement that may, some of you may go, I don't know about that. But the Bible never argues the existence of God. Think about it. It never argues because it talks about God as an accepted fact. In fact, the scripture begins, the beginning words say, in the beginning, God. There's no argument. In the beginning, God. And I've had many a conversation with people who say, well, I don't believe the Bible. And I said, then we can't, we could discuss things, but that's the basis of where I'm coming from. God is not up for argument. He is, therefore, that's it. Period. The Bible is a sign. The other thing is Jesus is a sign. He's not only the son of God, he's also God the son. John wrote in his gospel in John 1, verse 1 and verse 14, he says, in the beginning was the word, and verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus is a sign. Christmas is a sign. It's the inaugural day of God coming to us, and it amazes me that people don't see Jesus in the world and in nature and everything else, but especially at Christmas time, because Christmas is not just a holiday, it's a holy day. When you stop and think about it, on Christmas, go to any store right now, just anybody, anywhere you go, and they'll have their schedule on the door for the holiday schedule, and everyone says, close Christmas. So think about it. The Christmas season is the busiest season for commerce, right? I mean, everything's going on. We got commerce going on. Uh, wars are going on. Disputes are going on. Everything's happening. But all of a sudden, on Christmas Day, all of that comes to a screeching halt as if somebody reaches up and grabs a hold of the emergency brake and says, Wow! I don't know if you've ever had that experience before. I remember years ago, my wife and I were down in uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and we caught a local bus, and we were headed to the local market, and they had the windows blacked out all the way down to where just the driver could see. And, if you, and you had to stand up because there was no room because there's like four times more people on the bus than there were seats, right? So you're hanging on to bars and, and trying to look out the window, and, and we're, I, I'm looking there, and I'm telling my wife, and I'm like, when I tell you, yank that little string, that cord on the, above the window, you, you better pull hard because that was the way to let the guy driving know somebody needed off, you know. So I'm, I'm holding on to the thing, trying not to fall, and I'm looking through the, the blacked out part of the windshield, and I said, that looks like our stop coming. Baby, pull the cord. Pull the cord, <laughs> you know. Pull it. And all of a sudden you, pop, and all of a sudden everybody lurches forward. Right? And then, it, and then to get off the bus, that's an experience. Because you're in the back, right? And you're like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And everybody's like, oh, I want to get to where I want to go. But they're not afraid to pull the cord. <laughs> if that's not a sign that everything comes to a screeching halt on Christmas Day, I don't know what is. I remember reading a story about an old-time pioneer who was moving out, going out west, and 
things that weren't mapped out back in those days, and he just knew head west, right? And he's going along, and all of a sudden he comes across what we now know as the Grand Canyon. And he looks at it, and, and he's looking at this vast gorge that's one mile down, five miles across, and over 100 miles long, and he makes this incredible statement. Something must have happened here. So picture somebody from out of this world who comes into our world during the Christmas season and they see the lights and the songs and the hustle and bustle and the parties and the get-togethers and family, all that kind of stuff going on. And all of a sudden, boom, it all comes to a screeching halt on Christmas Day. They probably too would also say something must have happened here for this to take place. And something did. God was found among us. See, you, you have to look for God in the right place. You have to look for Jesus in the right place. Sometimes we don't find Jesus because we aren't looking for him in the right place. The shepherds were smart enough to figure out that the angels told them where to look, so that's probably just where we should look. But some people are too smart for their own good. You know, they would have said, well, I know the angels said he's in the manger somewhere uh, in Jerusalem, but I would think if Messiah was coming, the Christ... We probably ought to look at the Bethlehem Hilton first. Or we ought to go to the king's palace because that's where kings would be found. The shepherds didn't waste their time with that. They didn't do any of that because why? They had been told where he was found, where to go. And so they knew the area and they knew where there would be these these places for the animals and the stalls and the caves and, and they knew which ones had me and they, they went to those until they found him. 2,000 years ago, God came in a way that no one expected in a place that was so remote and off the beaten path that he had to be sought for. And so now we know the whole story. The who, what, when, when, where, why, and how. But then that leaves us, what, what, what do we do now? What do we do now? I mean, what do we do with the story? And it's really simple. From my vantage point, it's time to come to Jesus. It's time to come to Jesus. The shepherds would agree. They hurried off and found him. The child, they departed in haste. They went with speed. They ran. They didn't wait. They saw signs. They looked in the right place and they found him. See, the search for God can't, it can't wait. And I'm going to close. Searching for God is good, but finding him is better. I know people who are, they say, I'm, I'm searching for truth. Then go to the source. This Jesus Christ. He is the truth. He's the way, the truth, the life. 
We can learn about God through nature. We can learn through his word. We can, we can have our inner consciousness prick our heart, but we can only find and experience God through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And to go through another Christmas season and not personally know him is to miss the whole meaning and reason for Christmas. Because we need to remember, God wants to be found. He wants us to find him. I have people all the time say, I'm not good enough yet. I'm trying to get my life together. I'm trying to get, you know, I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to do this. And you, you can do all of that, and you're not going to get there. It's just a simple matter of, of, of realizing that God's word says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, I, you will find me. You'll find me. If you come with all your heart, you'll find me. And that is the key. People say, well, well, why wouldn't God come and find me? He's already come. And he's given the signs. And he's given his word. And we must understand that he calls us to come. He, had, he told the shepherds where he could be found. But the shepherds either had a choice of sitting in the hills going, I can't wait to tell my kids this story. Or they could say, I'm leaving the sheep, I don't care, I'm going to find what we've been told. Even though God had told them where to find them, they had a choice. They had to come. And that hasn't changed from today. Jesus has come. He has given the signs. He's given us his word. He's given us all those things. But he expects us to put the effort and coming to find him and to find Jesus. You see, he's already come for us. He's waiting for us to come to him. And when we find him, we will find that which outlasts any gift that you can ever receive in your lifetime because it is a, he is an eternal gift to us. Amen. I want us to pray right now. Would you just bow your heads for a moment? And I want to give you two things to consider. First of all, if you're here this morning or you're watching by way of the internet and you have not received, you've not found Christ. You've, you've not come and knelt where he's at. You've not come and surrendered and, and asked him to come into your life. That's what's the most important thing. Imagine someone buying you a Christmas gift and wrapping it all up and putting it under a Christmas tree and saying, I've got a gift for you. And they, you, they, they escort you to the base of the tree and go, that package right there is for you. It has your name on it. And you go, well, I appreciate that. But then you turn around and walk out and leave that present under the tree. The, there's no satisfaction in that. Because that which was meant for you is still sitting there waiting for you. And God's that way. He sent his son. 
that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that everlasting life begins right now. Not when we die. When we die, it's a continuation of the eternal life that we receive here on earth. We just step across a threshold into a new realm. You have to come and surrender everything. We sang it earlier. I give you everything, my heart, my soul, everything. And if you haven't done that, you can do that this morning. The Bible says you must believe that he was he is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Son of God. He was born of a virgin. He lived a life without sin. He died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. And on the third day, he was raised again. He paid the penalty for our sins. Because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness of sin. And the Bible says if you believe those things in your heart and you'll confess them with your mouth and repent. Repent means to have a change of thinking. In other words, your idea of how to live your life has to change and be brought in accordance with God's purpose for your life. Can I say God has a greater purpose for you than you can even ever imagine? but you can't find it without surrendering to him. And if you believe that and you confess that and you surrender, then Christ comes to dwell within you. You say, how does that happen? I can't explain it. He just does. And your sins are washed away and new life begins in that moment. And if you're here today and you've not accepted the Christ child, he's no longer a child. He is the ruler and savior and soon coming king of this earth. If you've not surrendered to him, this is the time to do that. And if you're ready to give everything to Jesus, everything in your life, everything about you, and you're ready to pray and receive him into your life, I want you just to stand up right where you're at. Boldly stand. And I want to pray with you. I'm not going to call on you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But you're ready to give everything. I want you to stand. And we'll pray for you. Is there anyone at all? I don't know everybody here personally. So I want to give you that opportunity. Okay? Then I trust that you know where you stand with the Lord. Then I... Let's just pray that this Christmas season, God will change our thinking, that we understand that he is the gift to all of humanity. Imagine going down your street in your neighborhood with a wagon full or a vehicle full of gifts and you're just handing them out freely from door to door. Well, you have the greatest gift that there is and you have the opportunity to hand that gift, that opportunity of Christ to those people you come in contact with this year? Are you ready to give the gift of Christmas to somebody else by sharing him with others? Father, just pray right now for every single person in this place. 
that, Father, we would understand how you put the puzzle together, the puzzle of redemption, that none should be lost and all would have the opportunity to come to know you. Father, if we cannot share the story of Christ during the Christmas season, then something's wrong. Give us boldness to speak out and share Christ with others. Let us pray with those around us. Let us ask others, if, do you know the Christ of Christmas? Do you know Jesus in a personal way? And Father, we just believe that there will be many who will come to know you during this Christmas season and that they will find the true meaning of Christmas. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Why don't you stand together and just... If you have a special need for prayer for anything, why don't you just come during this time and we'll pray for you. Otherwise, just take a moment and thank God for what he's done in your life and how much Jesus means to you. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night.
You got it. 